Hello everybody and welcome back to Real Talk with Kaylee. I hope you're doing okay. As you saw last week, we didn't have an episode out because it was bank holiday, but we are back to our usual schedule now and we'll be releasing every Monday. I hope you're all keeping safe and well. I know it's an odd time at the moment, but we will all get through this and we'll be okay, I think. I hope. I'm so, so excited to present today's guest. Um, I felt so, so lucky to be able to interview this person and just thrilled, really. I, I, I think you could probably tell that in the interview. I just think this person's incredible and, and thank them so much for letting me interview them. Now, today's guest on Real Talk with Kaylee is the wonderful Giles Paley Phillips. Now, if you don't know who Giles Paley Phillips is, well, I don't know, because I think the man's living the life of five different people. Um, <laughs> you guys probably will know once I describe more that he does, or if you know, you know. Um, so Giles Paley Phillips uh, was in a band and um, turned to writing after becoming a father and is the author of nine picture books and his best-selling title, The Fierce and Beastie, won the People's Book Prize and the Heart of Howick Book Awards. Um Giles is just an incredible author. Uh, if you have young children, I would really recommend going and buying one of his books. They're great. Um, and yeah, I'd really recommend it. He also co-hosts an interview podcast, uh, which is the Blank Podcast, which launched in 2018 and is the reason that I first knew of Giles because I absolutely love the Blank Pod. Um, <laughs> what am I saying? The Blank Podcast. Uh, they have amazing, amazing guests. And what I love is they're literally there just to have a conversation. They're not there to promote something. They're not there because of those reasons which Charles Giles talks about more in the um, interview but they're just there to really get down the nitty-gritty which is exactly why I started my podcast um also uh Giles just released 152 days which is a semi-autobiographical free verse novella uh, which was published in March 2020 I have read this book and I have to tell you guys it really it really got me. I, I did speak to Giles about this actually once we stopped recording the podcast and, and I said to him, it really I think it's one of those books that's so specific to him and kind of what he went through that it hits everybody. I feel like we've all been through this, especially if it's something that's close to your heart or something that you went through as a child. And um, I, I would really recommend it. I think it's, it's really incredible. I, I think the way it's written is incredible. I think it's so so original for Giles to be going down this route and I know that he's working on some other stuff which he also discusses and and yeah I I, I honestly um I'm just so grateful to have this conversation with him I think he's an incredible person I hope you really enjoy the interview and I don't know what else to say really I think you know go listen and, and you'll you'll realize what an incredible guy this is and I can't wait to bring you more episodes next week once again let me know anyone that you would like me to have on the podcast let me know your thoughts and I hope you enjoy the episode thanks Hello. Hello. Are you okay? Hi. Yeah, good. You? Yeah, good, thank you. Sorry, I feel like Sorry, it's a really I... warm day today and I've kept you inside to do this. Um... No, no, not at all. I was mainly being inside, so we, we're quite lucky because we have got a garden. Yeah. Which we can spread out to, but it's actually too bright to be out there in some ways. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm a burner, so I do stay. Yeah. I stay in the shade, if anything. Um, me too, me too. Yeah, but thank you so much for joining me. How is That's lockdown right. treating you? How are you doing? Yeah, all right, actually. Yeah, I've been generally... So I'm just going to make this bigger. Yeah. Um, yeah, in general, we've been pretty good. My wife's a teacher, mm. so 
she set about making a timetable quite early doors for all of us. <laughs> um, so we've got two children who are 13 and 11. So, yeah. Um, and they've really taken to having a bit of structure in the day. I think yeah. kids in general quite like having a bit of structure. Yeah. they used to having school days. So, yeah, we they kind of do their work in the morning and then in the afternoon they do a bit more creative kind of stuff yeah um, completely but yeah I've been really busy as well so yeah yeah so being busy it's been a nice distraction yeah completely it stops you thinking about it doesn't it yeah yeah I was just about to say I've got so many notes on you because I feel like I'm interviewing five different people just interviewing you <laughs> you're honestly <laughs> I, I can imagine you're completely busy I think I was you know I've been researching you for the last few days and honestly I don't know how you do everything, but it's incredible. And everything you do of such a, a high, um, I've lost my words. You know what I mean? You're great. There yeah. you go. Um, you. <laughs> but I wanted to say, first of all, and this is just a really mm. random thing that I picked up on, is what you, they're so different. So I, I was kind of looking at people and generally they have an adrenaline rush or something that they enjoy in what they do which is similar. So for example, um, when you were younger, you liked football, you're thinking about football. Then obviously you're in a band for a few years. They kind of have the same adrenaline. Do you know what I mean? Like you go, you do a football match, there's the adrenaline. Same yeah, yeah. as if you're in a band, you go out and perform, there's that adrenaline. Then obviously you turn to kind of writing um, children's books. And obviously recently you've written your kind of first um, more adult book. Um, and and also with your podcast that's completely different like completely different energies completely different you don't get that adrenaline rush or that buzz it's kind of how has that changed for you is that just a completely different thing or did it slide very easily um well I should stipulate that I was not very good at football yeah but you did want to um, do it so I did want to do it yeah that's true I did want to do it and I've always been into football but yeah, yeah I think um, yeah, I mean, I think the band thing is interesting because, like you say, it is an adrenaline rush. But what people do, the, the, the thing with being in a band particularly is you get like an adrenaline rush for about half an hour <laughs> um, <laughs> where you're um, performing live. Mm. Um, but a lot of the time it's also downtime. You know, you're, um, particularly if you're on tour, mm. um, it can be actually quite... Um, boring yeah to, to yeah i get you um and so in those moments when you're trying to find other things to do i guess um that's kind of i think was the seeds to doing other things like the, the writing in particular i mean i used to write lyrics and stuff mm. in the band and that was something that i would do when we were you know when we were in you know we didn't we weren't as flush um having a tour bus but we had like vans that we would go around in and when you're waiting for sound checks and stuff those moments you start to pick up um on other things that you could be doing you know yeah. because you've got all this downtime yeah so I think that's kind of probably where the writing sort of aspect of my life sort of started in those kind of moments yeah um so it's filling time yeah yeah completely really. and that's kind of I suppose where they they lend themselves to each other, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, no, completely. And think, yeah, and I think also, like you say, it is an adrenaline rush, particularly when you're performing live. Mm. Um, uh, and I think you do need something on the flip side. I mean, I've always wanted to have lots of different outlets for, yeah. for, my, for my psyche, I guess. And 
having things that aren't just one thing mm. um, has meant that I've been able to fill in those blanks um, between performances, things like that. Mm. I mean, I don't do that so much now. I mean, I have moved away from doing kind of live performance. Yeah. I, and I miss it. I do miss it. Um, mm. But having said that, interestingly enough, I feel, for me, the podcasts are a way of, of picking up on that a little bit. I mean, I do get a, um, a little buzz. get those tingles of nerves and stuff when you're sitting down with someone for the first time. Yeah. Um, particularly if it's someone that, you know, you're... You look up to. Really like, yeah, exactly, yeah. like a hero. Or mm. something. And that happens quite a lot for us on blank. Yeah. Um, you get those little tingles. So that's quite similar in a way. Not Not quite the same, but you do get some of those feelings yeah no completely it, and, and I think you know I just want to say that I have listened to a lot of blank and I think it is a great podcast and I think Thanks that yeah and what I love about it obviously I only started mine a couple of months ago and I think that for me I wanted to do a podcast because I suppose it's the same for me because day to day I act so for me on set you know you're acting and then the rest of the time you're sat backstage and most of what I do is not I suppose different to you is kind of writing lyrics and that side of things is me is just like picking people's brains. So, you know, if you have, if you have that time to be sat with great talented people is kind of just getting all the questions that, you know, you'd want to know if you're sat home. Um, And I think that was kind of my inspiration for the podcast is that other people, you know, when they watch something or they read something or there's somebody that they really look up to, they want to know those things and they want to hear a conversation that I suppose you'd have, during that time and I think that that's a really I think that's what podcasts have done is you really I don't know you get to know the people who you look up to but also though they're like foibles like you kind of get to see that actually maybe they're not as confident as you think or maybe actually they have had to overcome a lot and because you know everyone has this presumption that it you know everything's perfect and I suppose that generally in interviews you have this three to four minute kind of slot where you have to get in a funny story, you know, you have to come come about as likeable. Same as, you know, if you're selling a book or if you're selling a film, you know, whatever you're doing. Whereas actually, in a long-form interview of a podcast, you can get down, nitty-gritty, you can have a chat, see where things have come. And I think people get more of an overview of somebody, like what they really are. Absolutely. I think it's that's, it's a brilliant format for that, mm. particularly like long-form interviews, where I think a lot of the time you, you sit down, you might have known, you know for yourself, you sit down and you kind of forget that you're, you've got this microphone in front of you. And mm. um, I think, like you say, most of the time when we sit down with people, they don't have anything to sell. They're not selling a new show or a new book. It And, and actually, we try and avoid people that are doing that. We get sent stuff from agents saying, well, you have our actor or writer or whoever it might be on and I'm trying to almost trying to avoid it a little yeah. bit because we just want to get them get our guests when they're in you know just being normal and yeah. having a normal day or whatever I think you get the best chat in that way it's honest um, isn't it yeah exactly yeah mm. and I think that's what's so brilliant about it. I mean Jim and I started our podcast because we were in places where I think both of us will admit that we weren't in the best places creatively at that time mm. and that's what sort of stemmed the, the podcast stemmed out of those moments for us and wanting to investigate yeah that kind of thing and and kind of look at how very on the surface very successful people mm. um and whether they have those moments 
where things are difficult. Yeah. Because on the, or like you say, you, you kind of see people on the surface, they look like they're doing the most amazing things and having the most amazing time. And they are, mm. but they're also having those moments that we all have, you know. Yeah. Um, um, and they have the same neurosis as we all do and they have the same nerves and um moments of difficulties yeah that um that is so universal and that's what's so so great about it yeah no completely so let's stem back to so you were in a band weren't you so when you're in college you got into a band um they were called burnt house am i correct no so so that's the one that's my current one that's the one so the band i got into so um yeah, when I was in college, I was sort of like, so I failed my GCSEs, did really badly at school, wasn't particularly academic. Uh, and I went to college and I started doing retakes. And then I just kind of met a few people locally, one guy in particular, who we just had, we were very like-minded into the same bands. We were all mm. into sort of like, the guess a bit of a grunge scene back then, it would have been then, because it was a sort of mid-90s. And yeah, we just, he was in another band and we just kind of, you know, we're like-minded. I started, like, learning the guitar, and he was learning the guitar. And we just said, oh, let's try and write some songs together. So we did. And then he had a girlfriend that was played the bass, and then I knew someone who could play the drums, kind of. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just kind of just made came a came together. Started, yeah. Yeah, and just started uh, writing our own material. And that was the thing, that, uh, from the offset, a lot of the bands in college at that time were, like, playing covers and stuff. Mm. And we were really... Um, very set on doing our own material it's very like from the straight up from the off it was almost like we don't want to it wasn't about being like anybody else but it was just we wanted to do our own thing yeah and that was really important to us so it was kind of a learning curve for me big learning curve for me like learning to play the guitar and learning to write lyrics Mm. write songs um and it was it was such an exciting time because i was so ravenous for music and stuff and i remember um just just constantly thinking about it all the time yeah you know, picturing myself kind of visualizing I guess moments like being on a stage or performing in front of people and that mm. was yeah it was just a really exciting really exciting time I think that's pure passion though isn't it that you know what I mean like when it overtakes everything when it's in your thoughts like we yeah. all have it you know that is just passion yeah. itself were you would you say um lyrics wise before you got in the band, were you somebody who would be interested in music and start like scribbling down your own lyrics? Is it very much a process? So when you got in the band, you started to kind of try and write some and stuff like that. I'd really not done anything like that before until yeah. we, you know, we started doing stuff together. And I was kind of learning. I mean, I was like I say, the guy I was in a band with, um, he he was in another band, so he'd already he was already, and I got learned from him. I guess he was a sort of mentor in a way at that time. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, we kind of progressed together. You know, we got better together, and then, and then we met up. You know, and then obviously time goes by, and we that band was a bit rubbish. It had a terrible name as well. We were called Beach in November. Beach in November. Yeah, which is yeah, nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was terrible. Um, and yeah, and I think yeah, and then we, we I think I suppose the years went a couple of years went on, and we started to get more serious about it, and yeah. kind of knew that we probably needed to get better musicians <laughs> to do it with us yeah um i think because we sort of progressed as as players and songwriters and so yeah we started kind of just looking around for other people to do it with was and, it and sort of stumbled 
Sorry. Was it something that you um, you moved along with because you felt it was the only thing you had, you know, coming out of college? Was it that you felt it was the only thing you had that actually you felt could stick and you could carry on with? Or was it that you genuinely, that was the only thing you wanted to go ahead with? Yeah, I think, like I say, I wasn't academic. I wasn't doing very well at college. In fact, I got kicked out of college in the end. Uh Um, Just kind of never sort of turned up. I was just a bit useless. What was it about school and college that you just, could you just not... Was it the way that, that, that it was taught? Was it that you just weren't in the right frame of mind to, to you know, I deal with it, was, it? Yeah, I think it was a number of things. I mean, I didn't have a particularly great home life. Um, mm. My mum died when I was young and my yeah. dad was an alcoholic. So we, and he sort of got into monetary problems. So we ended up sort of sharing a one-bed flat with my nan. Mm. So it was three of us in a one-bedroom nice. flat, shared room with my dad. It was just a sort of kind of crap time. And I think... School wasn't an outlet for me, and I yeah. was always looking for something that was, something yeah. that I could actually sort of, um, yeah, I mean, I've, my wife had sort of similar circumstances, she, but school was an outlet for her. It was something that she really could put Thrive all in. in, yeah. And, but school for me was just a sort of, it was just kind of in the way. Yeah. Um, trying to find that thing that was the thing that I wanted to do. And then when music kind of came into my life, or certainly when I discovered I wanted to do it that's that's kind of all I wanted to do so everything else kind of went by the wayside I I, I kind of got like crappy little jobs mm. um doing cl- cleaning jobs and um I, anything that would be able to facilitate me from do, for doing the, the band stuff you know anything that would just you know allow me to do Tied that you over. My, yeah, yeah no, so my passion was what I wanted to do as a yeah as a career yeah no amazing so I know that you you did that for a few years didn't you and then you ended up breaking up as a band which mm. is yeah, so sad. sad we never yeah, know I mean, what could have been yeah we were and it was one of those things where at the time we were so so close to kind of getting there yeah we played some big festivals we played Glastonbury yeah and played some other big best festivals in like Bristol and all over and we'd been touring we had a couple of VPs out and it was kind of we're just sort of on the thing but I think um you know the some of the members of the band were just struggling with it. I think, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's gutting. It's gutting. Yeah. It's gutting being around, like, touring around in a bus and sleeping in a bus. Um, in, like, you know, we used to drive up to Bradford, play to next to no one, and then go and, like, go to sleep in a services. You know, mm-hmm. it, was, it was, it was, it was very challenging. Yeah. And we got to have that level of dedication. Yeah. Above and beyond, really. And I think... Yeah, I think it just became more and more difficult for yeah. us to continue to sustain that, really. No, completely. Um, my my friend, sorry, my friend, um, she was in a band called Crystal Fighters, and they, over the space of, like, 10 years, so they kind of started off, they didn't even have a bus, do you know what I mean? It was kind of like they'd go and just try and do their best, and like she said, they kind of evolved to the point where they did get a tour bus, and they were doing festivals, but she actually left last year because, like she said, unless you can get to that point where you're making millions because you're number one on the charts you're at this stage where yeah you're doing you're doing fine but it's such wearing and such hard work and it's the same people all year round because if you're not doing that you're then writing the songs to go back on tour you know and like she said it was kind of a circle which didn't feel like there was an end out of it and she actually left her band last year um which was a big move for her to kind of go solo and I think yeah people don't realize how kind of hard it is and and the graft in that and like you said like I went to watch her last last year actually and kind of I was like there and she was singing I was like this is amazing this is the life and then backstage she had a DJ set like at 
4am and it was like 11 and I was waiting with her and I was like Christ how would you do this yeah, every yeah. night and I thought wow what a way of living you know yeah and you know what I think timing is an amazing thing as well I think we were we were obviously we were a heavy rock band and I think the, the, the scene in, in the UK was so small back then like yeah. the rock scene it's huge now and there's loads and loads of bands that have been really successful and I think at the time, we just, I remember reading lots of reviews that were saying, uh, there was a couple of reviews in like Metal Hammer and, and Kerrang saying, you know, you guys, if these guys were American, they'd be, they'd be huge. But we just couldn't, yeah. we couldn't do that here. Um, we were sort of restrained in some ways. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, we were a bit bloody minded as well. And I, I, you know, I could put my hand up and say that I was, was like that as well. I mean, mm. we were very concerned about it's probably a youth thing like concerned about how we sounded and we would do yeah. weird stuff like we had quite a lot of, i mean we were kind of a bit prog rocky as well and we'd have we have one song that's about nine minutes long and we would start sets with it and that's not the way to engage an audience by starting the set with a nine minute song but we we were just a bit like kind of like didn't it was all about it wasn't about being cool either it was just about doing something that was different and mm. uh for us it was integrity but i guess in hindsight, probably we should have been playing like three minute punk songs. <laughs> I love that. So when when the band kind of split up and you kind of you you had you worked in a toy shop, I believe. Is that correct? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I managed. I was the manager. Of the oh, you're a manager of it. Amazing. Yeah. Love that. I love that job. That was a great job. Yeah, that sounds like a great job. Mm. Um, very happy, I can imagine. Is it very? You know, it's quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I always yeah. feel like when I walk in a toy shop, it feels positive. I don't know, it cheers yeah, me up, no. you know? Yeah, no, it was. It was great, actually. And um, it was in a little town called Lewis, uh, mm. which is in East Sussex, quite near where. And I went to school there. And I think um, it's quite a community-based town. So there's lots of, you know, you see the same faces all the time. So it was it had that element to it as well. I made lots of friends and... Um, yeah, I have very happy memories about that. Yeah, of course. And how, but how did you feel creatively? Did you feel like it was a creative job to some extent? So in a way, it did fuel you, or did you feel like there was something missing? Because it seems that really the thing that you were looking for through school and everything was creativity. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah, I um, think. Like like other jobs I'd done. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, not um, at all. Like other jobs I'd done, I think it was a means to an end. It meant yeah. that I could uh, I could pay the rent, and um, <clears throat> we had. You know, I was married by then and mm. um, we had a baby on the way. So it meant that I could provide for the family, but it did mean that I could still have time for my own thoughts. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it wasn't particularly, you know, apart from the weekends, it wasn't always that busy in the week. So I had time to think about my next steps, what I was going to do next. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So what... I know this might sound really strange, but I think that may maybe it's me. Maybe I, I didn't have that uh, as a child, but I never really got read bedtime stories. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I, I genuinely just didn't. And maybe that's just something that I missed out on. So I know that from what I've, I've heard of you say before is that kind of when you found out your wife was pregnant, you thought, actually, I want to write a story, something that, you know, I can read to my son and share. You know, what, what was that? Like, is that something that just in you that you wanted for your son? Is it something that you didn't have? I know, besides the fact, you know, I'd like to say, like, obviously, you're, you know, your mum did die when you were six. And I'm, so, you know, sorry. Um, you know, it's, it's really hard when you're some... I, I find it really hard to touch upon it um, in some ways because you feel... 
of, you know, both of my parents are alive and it's sometimes very difficult to talk about things that you haven't been through because you don't want to feel like you're telling someone something or discussing someone because, as you know, and, and you've spoken about, you know, I don't know what you've been through, if that makes sense. And you don't want to kind of comment on that. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, is that something that kind of you didn't have and you felt like, I want to give this to my son, like, I want to be able to do that? Um, actually, I, um, my, my grandparents, my, so my maternal, actually both sets of grandparents, um, my, my father's mum and my mum's mum um, and father were a really integral part of my youth, I think, because... Like I say, my dad was a bit um, vague in the parent department. So yeah. they really stepped up a lot. And I used to spend a lot of time with um, particularly my maternal grandparents, who um, I used to stay with at weekends and stuff. Yeah. And my grandmother would read to me all the time. Oh, actually. wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we would read. And actually, they used to have a thing when we stayed over, they would put they would put little gifts under our pillows oh. for me and my brother. So I don't know what it started off. They used to put like Mr. Men books under, oh, um, and so okay. you'd wake up in the morning. There was a little gift underneath. Love that. I think I can't remember who they said it was that had left it there. It was like it's kind of like the Tooth Fairy, but it wasn't the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> it was yeah, this sort of omnipresent being. That yeah, I love here. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was it's amazing. It was like, and I have, yeah, and I really remember that a lot. And yeah, so it was Mr. Men books, and then my nan and I would read um, the Hardy Boys together, which is sort of teen mysteries. A bit yeah. like Nancy Drew, but mm. for boys, like kind of big boys' adventures kind of thing. And yeah. Kind of missed, she liked those as well because she was like, she was like kind of adequacy sort of books and stuff. So I think she, it, it appealed to her to read those. Yeah. Um, so I have fond memories of that, actually. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and I guess that is, is wanting to re, you know, we often do that, don't we? We yeah. want to sort of. Uh, we create that with our own in our own Completely. lives. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. So certainly, you know, and I think also probably working in the toy shop as well, seeing mm. people with their their children and that sort of uh, that parallel play. Often, you know. I yeah. Mean, I, I do it now with my boys. We we we've got a lot of Lego in the house because it's nice to do that together. Like yeah. we make stuff together, you know. So it's that parallel play, and I think that's also integral with with reading books and stories. Mm. Um. So, yeah, so it was certainly something I really wanted to recreate with yeah. our own children. No, that's lovely. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So what gave you the, so for me, I remember from like 15, I tried to sit down and write, I was determined, I was like at 15, I was like, I'm going to write a book. I was like, I mean, if everyone else can do it, I can yeah. do it. Sat down, five pages in, let's leave it there. Um, so what gave you the confidence to kind of write? Like, is it something that you kind of, you know, that you thought, mm, shit, can I do this? Or was it something that you went, mm. no, I, I've got this, you know, like. No, I had no idea if I could write or not. I think. Probably like bloody mindedness, like back mm. in those days in the band, wanting to do my do wanting to do our own stuff, yeah, write our own things, um, make our own stuff. And I think once I got an idea, and often one of these things is me, me. If I get an idea in my head um, about something, particularly creative projects, I will just run with it. it. Yeah, um, and if you know, and actually. The writing thing, I don't know why. I mean, I, I, can, I can't tell you why certain things, um, why certain things attract me mm. uh, and what make me want to continue doing them. I don't know. I yeah. can't, you know, maybe it was just that, that ideal of, of the bedtime story. Maybe it was, there's some little, in, little thing, a little moment that's made me want to really and become determined about that thing. But yeah. 
yeah, I, once I kind of got the idea that I wanted to write something, I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to do it, and that was my my thoughts. And I think probably again that idea that you know I often did like mundane jobs because it meant that I had my mind was free to do yeah creative things. I had, you know, I had um, space in my head to to sort of really dedicate it to whatever was you know yeah whatever was my kind of dream at the time so yeah and I I just was I just started look, going around and looking I used to go to bookshops and charity shops and stuff just looking for books that that might be the sort of thing that I would write you know I was mm. again I think I, I, was sort, I had to sort of learn it I mean like yeah. a bit like learning the guitar yeah and learning how to write lyrics um I I kind of put the same kind of processes in place mm. and kind of thought well, I'm gonna to need to teach myself to do this yeah um, I would go around and, and get books by you know famous authors and and think about some of the books I read as a as a child and really kind of hone in on that and the craft and, and trying to sort of learn the craft of it yeah definitely it sounds like um you know, you've got one of those, which I think is amazing, is is kind of when you put your mind to it, you're going to put the hard work in and you're going to do it. You know, it's not something, oh, I'll have a go at that. Or, you know, oh, I want, you know, maybe I'll try that. It, you know, it's not, it's about the hard work. It's like, you know, if you think you can do it, you can do it. You yeah. just got to put the hard work in, you know? Yeah, it's that growth mindset thing, isn't it? Yeah. I keep hearing that. It's a bit of a buzzword at the moment. But yeah, it is that kind of, um, there's that idea about, I'm sure about this, but that if you put like ten thousand hours into something, yeah, that you will get good at it. And I'm not so sure whether that is true or not, because I think if I played football for ten thousand hours, I still would be very good at it. But I think there is something to be said for, um, yeah, really, um, yeah, really just going for stuff mm. and putting your heart and soul into it. I think that yeah. would be the, the best way. Yeah, definitely. Well, you've done incredibly well, as we can say, from your children's books. Um, Award-winning, which is amazing. Now, I wanted to say, um, I remember when I was at school, kind of in year eight, and I was actually last night talking to my partner about this. We were in the same year at school. And I remember in year eight, you'd be in the library and it'd be once a year and they'd bring an author in who had brought a book and they'd come and they'd read some of their book and they'd do, they'd talk about their book and that. And I remember everyone would be like, oh! and at the end of it, you'd go buy your book and they'd sign it and stuff like that. And honestly, as a child, it used to be such a massive part. You know, it, it used to get you interested in books, different authors. How is it on the other side of things? I know it sounds crazy, but it is really is a massive part. Like, I suppose when you become an adult, you forget about those things that mean a lot to you when you're a child. And and for me in school, because I loved reading, and whenever an author did come in and do that, I was always jumped up, <laughs> went to buy the book, get it signed, you know, and I wanted to know everything. And how is it on the other side of that? Do you, when you go into these schools and that, do you think, oh, I'm, are you nervous? Do you, do you get weird questions from kids? Like, how is it? Oh, I'll answer that last bit. Yeah, always weird questions. <laughs> After they really uh, notice, the kids are really intrigued to, ma to know how much you earn. Oh, money! <laughs> how much do you earn? <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's a labour of love most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I love it. I love I love school visits. I think school visits are great. I mean, I don't remember. I'm obviously I'm maybe a bit older than you, but. Um, we didn't really, I don't really remember having like authors come in particularly. I mean, we used to have other visitors like the police would come in or yeah. the fire brigade. But not all, I don't really remember authors coming really? in. Really? So that might be just because I've, yeah. I yeah. Don't remember that. But as soon as I started, as soon as I had my first book out, I was really, I was really excited about doing that. Yeah. Of the job. Um, yeah, definitely. 
and actually, you know, uh, it's um, it's a very it's a great way of gauging how well your book works. Mm. A bit like going and practicing, like doing. I guess if you're a comedian, you do like warm up gigs, or yeah. um, or you would, you know, or you know, like you say, dress rehearsals almost for for it. Going in and actually reading, particularly if you're reading new work and stuff, so you can really start to gauge whether it hits the marks and all that kind of stuff. So it's a really yeah, there's so many aspects of it that I love doing. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's just exciting. It you know? is, yeah. Um, and kids are honest. They're yeah. so brutally honest. You know, it's great. I mean, I've done talks where I've seen kids nodding off, you know. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, so it's it's great. Um, I love every, every aspect. It's nice as well to... It feels like you're kind of giving back a little bit as well. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, particularly with children's books, that's kind of what, you know, they're the target audience. So you want to... And like you say, I think when when you're younger, it's almost like seeing a celebrity, isn't Without it? Without doubt. An author, yeah. Um, and it's something kind of almost you can touch and feel. You're saying, oh, this is the book and that person wrote it. So I think, yeah, that's 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 quite exciting. I yeah. I think even as an adult, I get a buzz. Like if I'm speaking to an author or somebody who's created something that I, as well, you can't imagine doing it. You know, I can't imagine sitting and writing 200 pages of something or, you know, whatever that is. So to then speak to somebody or to see somebody who's done that, you just, yeah, you instantly look up to them, which I think is amazing. How, what would you say in terms of now you've had your, um, you know, 152 days published, what would you say is the, the audience that you fear the most? Is it children or is it adults? Oh, children. <laughs> adults are politely quiet. <laughs> like something most of the time yeah um twitter is a different matter but of course yeah I mean, i'm quite lucky i don't really get a lot of um trolling or anything but yeah I yeah think, yeah ch- children are yeah they're, they're very you know, we've just i've just alluded to they are very honest yeah um, yeah completely um, we'll let you know fairly quickly if they don't like it even if it's not verbally they will kind of show it with their body language yeah completely <laughs> whereas, yeah whereas we kind of lose some of that as we get older which mm. is probably a good thing um in general but uh yeah i think i haven't done i haven't been unfortunately because the book because 152 days came out just before lockdown i haven't yeah. been able to do any events so i don't know how people will take it um in a lot in, in a live setting no, I mean, it's doing amazing, isn't it? I, I was looking it up and it's superb, moving and beautiful. It's got five out of five on Waterstones, 4.3 out of five on Goodreads. So it's definitely getting an amazing reaction, um, which is superb. Um, and what what made you kind of, you know, I know what kind of made you transition from kind of the writing children's books to then writing this? Was it that you just felt the need creatively to get kind of a part of your story-ish written written down? Is it something you kind of wanted to leave behind or is it something that you just thought, actually, I want to do something different and I want to, this is what I feel, you know, is honest? Well, there's a few things. I think um, anyone who knows, uh, particularly, well, any kind of creative fields, you might have a few successes, but then it doesn't always, it's not always sustainable. Mm. So I think I... I had, I've had several periods of doing, particularly with children's writing, just not being able to get any books published. I yeah. Mean, you know, my first book got published quite quickly, within three months that I sent it out and got a publishing deal. It was nearly two years before I got the next publishing oh. deal. So it can, you know, and it can really work like that a lot of the time. And I think probably I started writing, so to, to go back a bit, I'd written a, a 
book of poetry. Which it was kind of poetry, but it was sort of old lyrics and stuff like that. Mm. Kind of mainly about the subjects of loss and grief and my mum and stuff. And I, I just did it as a, I just got it printed myself, paid for it, and then and and all the proceeds went to leukemia research because my mum oh, wow. passed away from that. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the stimulus for. Uh, or, or certainly the jumping off point for wanting to do the novel. Yeah. Uh, and it was, we're talking like 12 years ago, I started writing it. Mm. And I think it was in a time where I I just probably couldn't get anything away children's wise and thought, well, maybe I just need to put my energies into something else for a while. Probably feeling a bit kind of down on my luck or something mm. like that, which often happens when, you, you know, as, as creatives, yeah. things aren't going quite right, you, you, you know. And wanting to just keep being creative to to just sort of pass the time almost so that kind of was probably the the origins of it and then mm. about three or four years later I'd written the bulk of it and I decided to send it to my agent and I just didn't I was I was very aware that it's, it's you know it's written in verse I hadn't really seen any other novels written in uh, in verse um anywhere really and I thought yeah is this going to work as a, you know, as a verse novel? Mm. Um, I did, uh, and I know poetry is incredibly difficult to get published. Mm. So I remember sending it to my agent. She she really loved it and and said, and, and, and but was very honest with me and said, look, this is going to be really hard to get this yeah. published because it's so niche. But over the years, there have been more and more verse novels coming out, and I think. It, Particularly in the U- US, it's quite a big scene. Mm. Um, not so much here. There aren't that many authors doing it. But it just meant that, <coughs> excuse me, um, that that there was going to be more of a chance of, of possibly getting it getting it published. Although that did prove to be very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, I think sometimes um, I think that stuff's changing where niche things in a way now are becoming the popular I know that sounds probably really strange but I think you know with novels but also the same with tv and film I think that actually um I was speaking to a friend about it and we were saying the most niche thing can actually be the thing that applies to most so you know when I when I read your novel and I yeah I know it's written in verse but actually it spoke to me so much more than probably if somebody had written it differently or if they didn't want to make it I don't know how to explain it, but sometimes the niche, you know, something that's very niche and you don't think would appeal to many people is actually the very thing that everyone's feeling. So it does appeal to everybody. Um, And I think that is genuinely, I think, probably what your agent loved and and anyone who does read the novel will love. Oh, that's very kind of you to say. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, I mean, it's a very honest book. So, you know, I hope... But... Having said that, I've written, you know, I've now written a couple of other first novels, which you know I hope to get published at some point. Yeah, it's just become now a thing that I've really enjoyed. Yeah, doing and going back to your original question, <clears throat> I think it's something that I want to do more of. Yeah, um, I mean, I still enjoy doing children's books very much, but uh, I think uh, to push myself as a, as a creative person and as a writer, I feel like I I really want to do more of this kind of writing. Yeah, just, completely. Just, just, yeah, just as a you know, as a challenge to myself, if more than anything. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, has it been strange? Obviously, I think that your um, novels published fifth March, I believe, and um, so quite early, just before kind of lockdown. Has <clears> it been strange going through that kind of? I know, like you said, you can't go and do kind of like live Q and A's <clears> or uh, you know stuff like that. Is it kind of been strange to kind of try and see a reaction or see how it's doing? Has it kind of 
you know, not helped kind of with book sales and stuff like that? Has it, you know, how's it affected yeah, it's you? Been, it's been a, yeah, it has been challenging. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I think I, in an ideal world, yeah, I would be going out there and, and, and talking to people about it. Uh, so um, it's more become a sort of a word of mouth thing, really, and just trying to promote it on social media and yeah. things like that. Um, to be honest, any new book, and particularly if it's a debut novel, even if you've got, you know, I've had nine other books published, but it doesn't, it's still very difficult to get uh, coverage, mm. you know, particularly in, in the written media. It's very yeah. difficult. Um, and there's more, you know, it, so it... These things, I don't know whether it would be in, would have been any better if it hadn't been locked down. Yeah. Maybe people would be more sympathetic, more had more time on their hands to mm -hmm. buy, to buy and read books. So mm. I don't know really. It yeah. Would be, I, I I can't feel pissed off about it. No. Because there's nothing I can do about exactly. it. Exactly, it's out so, your hands. Yeah. Um, it would be easy to feel annoyed and upset. Mm. Um, I think initially I probably was a little bit upset, but. Everyone's been so kind and, mm. and has had so many nice um, comments about it. I can't really... And at the end of the day, there are a lot more horrible things going on at the moment. Yeah, and, completely. Uh, kind of puts things into perspective a little bit. Mm. I can't really yeah. sit here and say, oh, woe is me. My book came out at the wrong time. <laughs> no, but I and I do agree with you, actually. Like, for me, I've done so much more reading than I've meant to do for the last two years in the last eight yeah. weeks, you know? So, actually... For a, a novel release, you know, you probably have got a lot of people thinking, oh, I've got a bit of time now, I can read yeah. it, you know. Um, yeah, and I think you have to do, you do have to see the best in things sometimes, mm. and I always try to, so. Yeah. So, yeah. No, definitely. Well, so so what's the plan? So I think you probably touched on it a minute ago, but, you know, next five years, what are we thinking? We're thinking more verse adult novels, or are we going to go back to some children's books, or, I don't know, what are you going to, you're going to become a rugby player, what? I don't know, you're going to, what, what, what's next? There's no chance of me becoming a rugby player. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I've, well, funny enough, I have got some more children's books coming out, so uh, Amazing. I've got a, um, so one of my old, one of my books, my first book, in fact, uh, Things You Know About, Never Knew About Dinosaurs, is being re-released on a new, on a different publisher in May, yeah. uh, not May, June, sorry, June. Um, so that's exciting. Yeah. New cover and sorts of things. So that's nice to see sort of new life being breathed into that particular book. Um, and then I've got two picture books coming out. They've been moved back. They're supposed to come out this year, but now they're, they're going to be out in 2021. So is that um, just done a, a non-fiction book. Mm. Um, and also, um, yeah, I've got these... I've got a verse novel finished in the can and one mm. that I've kind of been tentatively kind of working on, I'm sort of reworking it slightly. So things, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've really enjoyed doing the novel mm. uh, and it's something I'd like to do more of and I particularly love doing it in that, in that style. It, yeah. It's very freeing in some ways to be able to really hone in on the, on the language and use language to push through a story rather than just... Um, just doing like like descriptive prose. Yeah. Um, I like you know, and I think I'm a big movie fan. And I think <clears throat> some of the sort of the feel of it is like kind of describing, you know, like almost like a screenplay in a way. Mm. Um, you know, you're using two or three lines to describe a a scene. I think is for me. I really like the sort of I'm, I'm really into sort of minimalist authors and stuff. People like Chuck Chuck Palahniuk. Um, 
who really write very very distinct sort of um minimalist kind of writing I'm really interested in that so yeah that's yeah. It's certainly something I want to do more of yeah yeah definitely well thank you so much for coming on here and thank you for oh, letting me me pluck me. your brains it's been amazing thank you so much and thank you so much for listening guys I really really appreciate it and just want to do a quick shout out to George Perry who edits my podcast to Soul Cartographer i.e. Dan Williams for writing and creating the theme tune for my podcast and also to my production company Raspberry Films for producing my podcast thanks guys